Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the VR Download, a weekly show recorded live in the Upload Virtual Studios, where we bring you the latest news, reviews, comments, and interviews from the VR industry. My name is Kyle, Upload Manager, Operations Manager at Upload. I know my title. I, I swear I do. Sorry, he's Let's new meet here. the rest of today's panel. Uh, starting over here to the right. Hi, I'm David, <laughs> Senior Editor at Upload VR, also known as... Ian's nemesis. <laughs> Can't beat me a pistol whip, though. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hi, this is Ian Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> and over here, our guest this week. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Mike. My name's Mike Daly. I work at Insomniac Games, and I was the lead designer on Stormland. All right. Well, thanks for being here with us this week. So let's go ahead and get into this week's news stories. And the very first news story that we have this week is Half-Life VR. Half-Life, what, what is it called? Half-Life Alex? Half-Life Alex. Alex, yeah. Ian, why don't you start us off here and talk about this? Yeah, so uh, we're not going to uh, talk about it for too long since we've got the special episode tomorrow. But we've got a story on UploadVR.com right now that uh, will familiarize yourself with Alex. Uh, I'm at, I've actually not played the Half-Life games to their completion uh all of them i've played a couple of them and uh that kind of that that story sums the half-life games so alex is a non-playable character in the classic half-life games and we believe you you may get to embody uh this character we're not sure we're going to find out everything as soon as valve takes off the the you know reveals the curtain and tells us everything about this game we've also got a story uh that tracks Obviously, the commentary has been off the charts here about this game because people wanted Half-Life 3. This is not obviously not called Half-Life 3. It's called Half-Life Alex, And uh, that indicates to the audience out there that this is a little bit different than what everyone wanted or expected. And the, the, the thing that's important to remember is Valve has been working on VR for many, many, many years. Their dedication and interest in it is the is probably the only uh, one that rivals Facebook's interest in VR, and there is a long path here of building towards uh, a flagship AAA VR game, and that's that's our expectations for what Half Life Alex represents is a game design team that's been working for many years in. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's been the better part of a decade. It's yeah. been almost eight years. Yeah, but so so Valve is also that the thing that's confusing to people though is that not everyone realizes Valve has very serious hardware ambitions for VR too. The HTC Vive when it debuted, uh, what was it in 2015? I think um, was built by HTC and powered by Steam VR's tracking technology. So powered by technology developed at Valve is what made all of the magic of the HTC Vive, the ability to have hand controllers, the ability to walk around a full room. That's all Valve's technology. And that was more or less four years ago. So they've been building a whole new hardware platform, and that's the Valve Index. That started shipping earlier this year. But of course, they've also got SteamVR. So SteamVR is compatible with practically all PC VR headsets, and then they also have their own hardware platform on top of that that has a few different interactions. You can grasp things a little bit more realistically with the Index controllers. Yeah, so point being, 
if you're upset that this is not Half-Life 3 and it's a VR exclusive game, shut up, nerd. <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> right? Okay, boomer. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah, man. Exactly. <laughs> wow. So uh, you, there is some chatter, though, uh, on the interwebs about this not being uh, a pancake game, a, a screener game. What, what, David, what are your personal thoughts uh, other than just calling people nerds? I mean, that that's pretty much it, right? I mean, if, if you're honestly upset about this, then, I mean, are you the type of person that won't buy the next Xbox to play the new Halo game? Or are you the type of person that won't buy the PS5 to play, you know, whatever new Sony games there are? Like, it, it's it's such a weird concept, and it seems very hyper-specific to people being frustrated with VR. And I think it's because VR has a a reputation of not being good enough of being too expensive, but that's changed now. I mean, you can get a VR ready PC and a, and a PC VR headset for around the price of how much a console is at launch. You know, that, you know, five, 600 bucks, you can, you can be in the ecosystem with the top tier VR content immediately. And um, if, if you want to take a slower approach, you could get a quest for 400 bucks or it may be cheaper if you buy one used and then you can get a pc later on once half-life alex comes out um you know i mean also it's it's stupid to me because if people the people that would play half-life 3 probably already have a gaming pc so just 200 bucks for a headset like that's not that much you pay more than that for for some like lucid sound turtle beach headphones like it's really not it's not like what it used to be and so I think people just want to be upset because it's not exactly what they wanted. And that's just gamer culture. People get mad because they don't get exactly what they wanted. And so, you can't dictate what a developer does based on your decade-long dreams of playing a game with the number three at the end. Like, this is a new Half-Life game. You get excited. It's stupid. Going off of that, uh, you make a good point of people already have the type of the, the, the target audience. Let's just say that the target yeah. audience for this game already is possibly PC master race type of uh, mentality. Yeah, exactly. So they're already ramped up and good to go. They just need to get this little accessory, this, you know, uh, you know, $2,000 computer all they need to do is buy a two or $300 piece of hardware to go with it, to be able to play this new game. People have done that in the past. They have purchased oh, yeah. large pieces of, uh, you know, accessories to be able to do the game that they want. Yeah. So th th this could be potentially the, uh, the gateway for a lot of these folks to buy their first headset. This yeah, game. I'm hoping so. And I think that's what valve is hoping as well. Yeah. Um, because for Valve, especially like similar to Oculus, you know, the more people that get VR that buy VR games on Steam, that's a win for Valve. They don't need them to buy an index. Mm -hmm. so, you know, well, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, Mike. Yeah. So th there's a lot of stuff going on there that I think is pretty interesting. Um, so I guess for one thing is managing. Um, it's tough to manage your expectations with anything Valve does, not just because um, there there is all this like like inertia to people's expectations about what they're working on, but they also really think outside the box, and they're not they're, they're not usually as constrained as developers to like sort of like traditional things. So, you know, if you think about uh, Portal, which was you know definitely 
a high quality game, a game of the year contender, it didn't even come close to like the playtime and scope as a lot of games it was competing against. Um, and that's just sort of one of many examples where Valve didn't feel like they needed to fit within the box of a 30 hour single player with the multiplayer mode game that everybody expects because that's just what the market does these days. So for one thing, I would say, don't be too confident in what to expect out of their VR game because you know it's probably going to be something different and something unusual. Um, it's yeah, not going to feel point. like Half-Life 3 for sure. <laughs> um, the, the, the other side is how as a developer do you manage um, the audience's expectations? And, and I wish I had like some good answers here or some good analysis, but I can say that it's like a pervasive problem throughout the industry. Like the game developers have this, this double-edged sword where once the audience has expectations and knows you and knows your games, that is an excellent way of drawing people to your future games and your company. We all want and need that because it's super hard to get attention, um, especially if you're making a VR game. But at the same time, like if you just direct, you know, 10 million gamers who are enthusiastic about a specific thing to something that's not that thing, that, that's naturally going to cause just a ton of friction, whether it's rational or not. Um, you know, I think that's the world yeah. that game developers have to live with and come up with some very smart and novel like marketing messages that can that can sort of uh, <laughs> mitigate the the negative feelings like you know, this is very much a parallel, I think, of the like Diablo Diablo mobile game mm, announcement that came yeah. right before Diablo 4, That's where everybody point. was upset that, you know, this is yeah. not Diablo 4, like table flip. Um, <laughs> you know, you would hope that from that, um, people making games that they know are not the game that everybody is looking for would find some way to like present it in a way that still sort of like surprises people about the announcement yeah, but i think with something you've, you've as even, heavy as half-life there was no way to avoid it you've even partially got a, a, the flip side of that with blizzard as well with overwatch 2 where people are upset it's not enough you know they right. don't think it's enough of a sequel it could have just been an expansion or this is what the original should have been and so like how do you how do you even navigate that like if if you're giving people what they want but then it's just not exactly enough of what they want it's like yeah it's yeah it's crazy and and one of the one of the drawbacks of giving people exactly what they want is that over the course of sequels that can cause your audience to shrink um, because the people who go there for exactly what they want will be satisfied and so there won't be as many complaints. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, a lot of other people might write the game off as like I know exactly what that is. Like it's not enough to really pull me in. And a lot of the new gamers that get pulled in aren't part of that. Um, really fired up group that complains about how different and whether things are different. So, um, I mean, this, this is probably not the most like favorable analogy to make, but when the Wii came out, gamers did not like it, uh, but right. it drew a ton of new people in because, because it was different. And those were not the people that complained really. It's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah. yeah. That's excellent. The Wii, yeah. the Wii started off very lukewarm and ended up being a monster. That yeah. I mean, I don't think a lot I think a lot of us were really surprised. So I'm gonna take a look over here at the comments. Um, I'm gonna just switch seats here. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
All right. So it looks like uh, <laughs> Valve, let's see, here's uh, Andrew King uh, in the chat here. Valve doing this is like Apple removing the headphone jack. If they can show <laughs> this work, this can work. Other large game publishers might be willing to release VR first titles. Mm. Um, curious, comparing it to Apple removing the headphone jack? I mean, it's a really interesting see, analogy. I, I can see where that's coming from. Yeah. It, the, yeah. I mean, I get it. It's, yeah. It's hard to come up with a, a great analogy because the, VR is a new medium. You know, it's the not. Thing, the thing I love about that analogy was I, I actually went to the Samsung uh, press event where they announced their next phone after Apple did that removal. And they stood on stage and they're like, oh, and it also has a headphone jack. But that's the phone that exploded. That's the phone yeah. that like, and they're like so proud that they have a headphone jack. And then a month later, this thing is recalled worldwide. I mean, the uh, flip because, side of that too is back whenever Xbox One, they said, "Oh yeah, you know, you can't share games. There are no used games because each disc will be identified and, and locked to that console." And then Sony released a video how to share games using, you know, the PS4, and it's a video of Shuhei Yoshida handing a game to another person and then he puts it in his ps4 and that's the end of the video it was a great response so i mean if you're if you're doing something too bold too risky then you run the risk of that (laughs) so what's this greaser guy over here studio it's amazing you're so we have a new uh a new person here harry how are you sir i'm good that's not harry that's john travolta Um, how's it going yeah, I got the leather jacket. I didn't really have time to mess around with the avatar, so uh, we got a leather jacket because I was too busy trying to reinstall USB 3.0 drivers. But we're here. <laughs> we made it. All right. Well, cool, Harry. Good. Well, this everyone, is, uh, meet uh, Harry. He's the newest yes. member of Upload. He is uh, in Australia, one of our staff I'm the Australian writers, correspondent. And... That's right. Yeah. Yep. Good stuff. Um, yes. What time Harry, is it where you are? Uh, about 5 o'clock in the morning. Thank you uh, for getting so the sun is, sun is not up, but uh, that's okay. The main part is the USB 3.0 drivers are working again. Who knows why they keep stopping? But anyway. So, Harry, you're, you're plugged in with a Quest using Link. Is that correct? Correct. I am using Oculus Link, which um, is so far very good when it when it works. And I think most of the problems have been with my computer and my USB drivers being weird. But, well, good. Uh, well, hold on to that because when yeah, we get down to you, our hot topics Lots to this say. week, Lots to say. we can talk all about it. Great. All right. Well, let's move on to the next piece of news. Well, real uh, quick, the reminder, yes. tomorrow here on our YouTube channel, we're doing another episode of the VR download just about Half-Life VR. So after that reveal is done, after Valve tells us hopefully more than just the title, we will have <laughs> a whole episode dedicated to talking about Half-Life Alex. So tune in. Tomorrow mm-hmm. at like eleven ish, and we'll talk all about Gaben with a handful of cheeseburgers, right? Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's move on. The Friday after American Thanksgiving uh, is typically known as Black Friday, and so are Black Friday than, is. Are there other Thanksgivings? Am I? <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> other countries might have Thanksgivings other than oh, America. Do they? Okay, uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. <laughs> No, Mike's shaking his head. I trust Mike more yeah. than Kyle. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, somebody uh, correct me on it. Put it in the comments. We'll read it. It's like saying, after the American Civil War. Okay. Well, there were civil wars in other countries. 
So, yeah. all right. not, not American Civil Wars. But... Someone, someone said yeah. Canada's is in October. So Canada do have one. So there you go. Oh, Canada well, has never one. Mind. There you go. There you go. So shut up. Why'd you make fun of him, Ian? Why, why'd you make fun of him? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't nice. Getting back to the news, Black Friday, whatever it may be after whatever holiday you choose. Uh, Black Friday is typically a really big holiday uh, event where people go out and shop and stand in crazy lines. Uh, but lately, things have kind of gone more online. So uh, Black Friday deals uh, are out here. And since, David, you are so well versed, uh, why don't you tell us all about the Black Friday deals that we are going to discuss today? Yeah, so um, Black Friday, it uh, usually begins like Wednesday night, basically now, these days. It's not really Friday anymore, but it's a big, giant shopping palooza. And then Cyber Monday is the following Monday, and it's usually a lot of online deals. Um, so far, we know of some pretty good ones. Um, most notably, Sony has some amazing deals. Um, if you don't have a PSVR for 200 bucks, you can get a PSVR headset, the PS4 camera that it requires it to, to function, and five VR games. Resident Evil, you get Skyrim, you get Astrobot, you get PSVR Worlds, and you get a fifth one that I can't remember. Um, but it's it's an amazing package. Those, those four are enough, wow. Yeah, 200 yeah. bucks for all that. $200. That's incredible. And then if you don't have a PS4, well, I got news for you. 200 bucks, <laughs> you can get a one terabyte PS4 along with five, or not, maybe it's three, non-VR games. I think it's like, God of War and is Spider Man one of them? I don't know if it is. I can't remember. I hope so. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Not even Insomniac knows. Who knows? Not even the deals are knows. crazy. The deals are crazy. But you get a terabyte PS4 and three of the best exclusives for two hundred bucks. You can get a PSVR headset and five of the best PSVR games for two hundred bucks. Four hundred bucks gets you into like the largest VR ecosystem on the planet right now. That's you sound like a that's crazy. car salesman. But you're like, I'm just, I'm just saying, you're like, you're like, guys, it's bananas. PSVR, get in, get in, get in quick. This Black Friday, Black Friday, PS, PS4. And then if you get don't want time. that, the Oculus Rift S will be $350, so $50 off. Um, you can find other headsets discounted. Usually the Samsung Odyssey and other Windows headsets are super cheap. Um, and those come with controllers too. Um, the Quest isn't discounted, which I found interesting. It must be selling well enough they didn't feel the need to. Um, instead, you get all three episodes of Vader Immortal packaged with it, so that saves you thirty That's bucks, I guess, if you wanted to play that anyway. Um, yeah. There, there's some other deals that we have in our roundup post on uh, UploadVR.com that you can check out. O Oculus Go is fifty dollars off, but we don't really oh, talk yeah. about Oculus Go anymore, do we? <laughs> ne neither does Oculus, so no. Yeah. 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 Well, the Go is still a very good entry level media viewing give it to grandma because she wants to be able to sit on the give beach type of it is it's, i mean it still has I a like place it, i like it because it is so easy to demo vr to old people specifically um you know the quest is great because you can move around but not everyone would want to or is capable of doing so without tripping over something so I I kind of like that the go is, you know, you just put it on here. Look at this beach. It's really cool, right? You feel like you're in, you know, Puerto Rico. There you go. I, I, all right. So the thing that kills me about the go is you can't, you know, you can't lean. Yeah. And that's true. I, I see videos of, of kids, old people, you know, everyone that puts on go doing the leaning thing. And that's not reflected in VR. That does not work. I'll and be right back. that's uncomfortable. I, I, I can't, I can't recommend it for that reason. So despite everything 
you're saying that like yeah it's a good media consumption device just don't don't forget that you can't lean it's so that, I, think, yeah. I think in my experience too on to that point when i give people the quest who haven't ever used vr like because they can do all that it becomes so much more kind of shocking or um, amazing to them because then they kind of put it on and it's like everything they think they can do they can do like they start walking around they start leaning they've got the full kind of um six off like experience there's nothing missing right it's like that's kind of uh important in that you know i've given it to people and they've just kind of been like wow this is actually as good as i thought it was or it's way better than i thought it was because they can do everything because they are leaning and doing all that kind of stuff so i'm really curious mike as a developer uh do you see any value in the go could you repeat the question? Yeah, I was just curious if you could um, – do you think that it's valuable to go? Do you see value in it as a developer who's making content for VR headsets? Is the go even on your radar? Do you see value in it or should we just chuck it off into the you know clearance racks and move on? Yeah, so for me, um, I've been working on VR for like five years, but it's always been in like the high-end market because that's where we saw like the opportunity – um, and in that regard, Go was not a good fit for Insomniac um, because, you know, our, our specialty is high-end assets and our proprietary engine that is targeting a really high spec. Um, so it's not really something I would target. But, I mean, one of the, it, it's very difficult to write off any sort of any given platform, mainly because, like, the value of investing in it is... You know, it's like the stock market. The less other people are interested in developing for it, there's like this counterbalancing factor. So if you can produce something like pretty cheap, there's a lot of goes out there. And if it's innovative, it might get picked up and, you know, be profitable. Um, that being said, I do think that probably the better like long term bet, unless you th can think you can turn around go software very quickly, would be to target the quest and instead. Um, I, I think that that market is growing while the go market is probably going to stay steady. And one thing that I've seen happen a, few, a little bit is uh, developers will target go first as kind of like their test bed and then add on six off and improve the game and try to get it on quest after that. And uh, cause you know, the go is very easy to release a game on. It's much lower barrier as opposed to the quest where there's a lot of rift games that don't even get approved for quest, even if they function just because Oculus says so. I mean, it's no one really knows. So yeah. I, I feel like I should say that that Go is probably the last three DOF headset we'll ever see. I, I mm. think that's I think that's a dead mm. a dead technology. Tell that to Pico. I have a They're feeling we're going to see a one. big what? flood. I said of... tell that to Pico. They're probably working on one. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a big flood of knockoffs at some point next year. That's true. I, I don't know why. I just yeah, I, Walmart. I feel... Walmart has plenty already. Yeah. Well, right. Okay. So there you go. But but is the twenty five dollar three to three doff? Well, yeah. How much was that PC? That Windows PC that was three doff or the Windows headset? Oh, that I think that was like forty bucks, and it had like terrible, terrible. Uh, it was it was just bad. I don't I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> well, we'll <laughs> VR Who knows? Maybe the, the go. Maybe the go is you know going going gone. Who knows? Oh, the the other good thing too. Um, if you have a PC VR headset or want to get one soon, Viveport Infinity is only sixty bucks for the entire year, which is an incredible deal. Viveport is actually very good now, 
and they have some amazing games on there. And if you pay that $60 fee, you can download as much as you want off of Viport for free. Like it's a subscription, but it's not streaming. You download the game and you keep it as long as you're, as long as you're subscribed. And they have like Arizona sunshine. They've got, um, five nights at Freddy's. They've got uh, fisherman's tale. They've got a lot of great VR games. So if you have a PC mm-hmm. headset, whether it be a Vive headset, a Rift, a Windows headset, all those are supported on Viveport. So highly recommend checking that deal out. Good stuff. Hey, Harry, is there any uh, comments here from our live viewers? Most people at the moment are... Um, I did see one earlier asking about the Black Friday deals, whether they're in uh, Europe at all, or if I think it was in relation to... I can't remember if it was the, the Rift or something else, but whether there's anything in Europe. Is, there, is any of this applied to Europe? Do we know that? Or is it just in America? Uh, I'm presuming it's just in America. I don't know. The I'm ones on Amazon, I assume, will... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't you know. know. I, I, not sure. I, it's tough. I think I should mention that like sometimes retailers save limited time deals just for that period, so that it's possible you might find even better deals uh, during that period of like November 28th to December mm-hmm. 2nd. Like, and Steam usually has a sale, right? And I think Oculus had a yeah. sale on, on Home last year, so there will be some game deals for sure. And I would love to see a price it. drop on Index. I would. I think that there's potential there yes, for them on. to do a surprise, but I know I'm not saying that that's definite, but it's it's definitely a possibility. I think maybe I think a like price drop and a bundle. Yeah, I think that Alex cool. is going to be bundled mm. with it for sure. That mm. that they have to like it, it would be stupid not to. Good yeah. stuff. Well, let's move on to the next piece of news here. Uh, we've got a release on Friday of a highly anticipated game, Aspire One VR Operative. Uh, let's see here. Who wants to talk about that one? David? Uh, I, I could start. Yeah, I'll, I'll okay. probably be doing our review for it. And, uh, that's a game that we've been following for a very long time. Um, uh, we had it in our E3 VR showcase. I think it was other than lo-fi and pistol whip was probably the most anticipated out of our showcase. A lot of people were talking about Aspire and a f- fun fact about Aspire. That game was created because of us. Did you know that? Did you know that? We used to have a podcast called the Upload VR Games Cast, where me and Joe Durbin, rest in peace, he's not actually dead, <laughs> but um, he's, he, he's not at Upload anymore. Um, we had a podcast where we it talked was. about like our dream VR games, and we had some people on we were interviewing, and we kind of described like a Metal Gear Splinter Cell style VR game, and they heard the podcast and they started working on Aspire, and so they, that uh, we we inspired Aspire. Uh, you get it in hey. oh man Whoa. Yeah. Love yeah. <laughs> and so that game comes out on friday finally after what feels like a billion delays um it's going to be on every platform though it's launching on psvr quest um, pc vr headsets and um it's a really cool action stealth game a lot like splinter cell and metal gear you can climb pretty much any surface that's metal you play as this android that can like has a little visor that you can tap to see where enemies are you can Sneak up behind people and verbally say freeze into your mic and it makes them put their hands up. Um, there's a lot of sneaking in going on. Um, and it's supposed to be about six hours long, so not super long, but there's a lot of replayability. Um, so it's I'm looking forward to it. It's We've been looking forward to this one for a while. And it's David, that's the game that has yeah. the comfort mode, right? The really cool yeah, comfort mode. Yeah, that Red Room it's called, uh, yeah. they Sorry, call it Harry. Control Theater. So it's a feature they've already rolled out to Killing Floor Incursion, which is another tripwire interactive game. And uh, in this mode, the instead of just doing a vignette around your view, 
it actually creates this sort of like digitized screen that so you're looking through like a window while you control mm -hmm. your character so it makes it sort of instead of just dimming the field of view it's more of a like canonical in-universe explanation for why your field of view is dimming and it it's it makes it much more playable if you can't move smoothly in vr um, because yeah. it's not a teleport game it's a smooth game um, so you have to be able to adapt to that sort of movement and i have played it on a quest i played it back at e3 i want to say it was our game of the show at mm -hmm. e3 mm -hmm. and um i played it on quest and i was really impressed visually obviously there's a massive downgrade but um the gameplay felt intact which is you know the most important thing so it's, it's nice yeah. that it's launching at the same time too especially on on all platforms i, I suspect like that's the that reason too. for all the delays yeah, yeah. I, I imagine yeah. they wanted to hit all at the same time and i know yeah. certification for sony is infamously tough to get through sometimes mm -hmm. um so i think my my gut tells me that's what was the cause of the delay so yeah yeah Good people stuff. in the comments are very excited they're all saying they're very excited. Someone's uh, Christopher's saying it's Metal Gear Solid in VR. Um, people are saying without without the Kojima ness. But, yeah, without the Kojima ness. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. No babies. Farther <laughs> no. Yeah. No. No. No carrying parcels and babies while you're uh, being stealthy. No. None of that. That's a VR. That's a VR game right there. Boxes and babies. Let's do it. Yeah, boxes and babies. That's yeah. that's. Well, now, the, now there's going to be a development team listening to this. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Boxes and babies. <laughs> we did it again. Coming 2022. Watch out, guys. Oh, boy. Uh, over here, uh, Ian, do you have anything to add? About just Aspire? that comfort mode. Yeah, that just sounds like my yeah. dream game. And yeah, the comfort modes, I've I've got that. Uh, tried that in Rec Room. They've got a version of that comfort mode in Rec Room. And mm, it's okay. a delight uh, to do their, like, the, what do they call it, stunt runner uh, mode in Rec Room, where you, mm. you run through levels. And then you've got this virtual screen, and you can see sort of a simulated space around you. Um, that keeps you grounded and feeling comfortable and uh, you can still reach and do all the, the different movement options to get around. And yeah, it feels amazing. I'm super sensitive to, to motion sickness and VR and uh, it's terrible when like you've got a game that you've been anticipating so much. It happened to me this week where there's a game I'm looking forward to so much. And then you're fiddling around with multiple, like I think what mm. kills me the most is when you've got two movement options at the same time accessible to you so you can use the stick to move around or do something else and mm. like i switch back and forth between the two of them and then find myself sick in five minutes and that's brutal so i, I really hope that comfort mode is a huge huge help i'm gonna say the exact opposite hopefully that you can turn it off because i don't like that type of comfort mode i am very you know yeah, at you, first you it would be it i play off. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you for, for yeah. personally, but yeah, you can turn it all off. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where people get used to walking around in VR. I mean, it used to be I'd have to take a 15 minute nap after I play an hour or so. Now yeah. I'm good to go. So, you know, I've pushed through it. I've gotten to a point where I can use my thumbsticks and move around and not get nauseous. So um, mm -hmm. hopefully that's uh, something we can turn off. Uh, Mike, any any thoughts on Aspire? Yeah, um, I haven't been following it too closely because I've I've um, I've had my head in one specific VR game a lot lately. <laughs> um, but you know, now that that's wow, you're into No out. Man's Sky that much? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, Skyrim with all the mods. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, um, but now that that's out, um, I'm really looking forward to jumping into some other 
recent releases, especially over the Thanksgiving break. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that game just to yeah. just to see see all free. the differences with what I'm used to. Yeah, yeah. Pull your head out from development mode. Look, the world has changed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Moving on to the next piece of news. A lot oh of news boy, the climb is coming soon to the quest. What? I know it's coming wow. soon. Wow. Actually, they have they have said uh, December third is the release date um, for the quest. Uh, who who wants to take that one? Uh, Ian, have you any any thoughts? Yeah, that's uh. So we saw the video drop onto uh the internet, and we we looked at it really quickly, and it's fun because we were looking at it, and our first reaction was, "Is that quest gameplay?" <laughs> because it looked that good. And that's just a good sign that you're looking at the the video and go, wow, they they actually did a pretty good job with the graphics, putting and it for, down on Quest. For reference, that is not a question we ever had to ask with the Robo Recall footage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Drifter Entertainment, I've, but yeah. you know, it's like that game was designed to run on Unreal on a PC. You know, like it that that there's a very big difference visually between those two, but. Crytek has apparently done a really good job, but like that footage looks impressive. And I think obviously the caveat here is this is a game where all that's really moving are your hands through the environment. You know, it's a static mm. mountain with a great vista that's pretty static. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot going on. So it's a little easier to maintain that fidelity. I, I would assume I have no idea personally, but um, that that's just my assumption on it. But it looks great. Did you play the original, Ian? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh... And I, 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 I kind of disagree with what you said, but like, just because I so hate the tether on headsets so much, and uh, think that cutting that tether will allow me to move around and sort of like maybe maybe reach just a little bit further for one yeah. of those gra- you know holds, or um, actually jump and try to reach something. Yeah, I, f- I find myself doing that in Pistol Whip on Quest because. Uh, I have that wireless freedom and I don't do it as much when I've got a tether just because mm-hmm. I don't feel as safe. I feel like my head's going to get pulled back by the tether. I can't imagine playing Pistol Whip with the tether. Having played it on Quest, very limited playing it on Quest, but I just think that would drive me insane. Same with like Beat Saber or anything when I'm, because I've just, I kind of started on the Quest and now that I'm going back to having a tether, it's, uh, it's interesting to do the reverse now that I've been trying. Yeah, that's, to that's especially how Vader Immortal is for me. The lightsaber dojo, like, yeah. I spend so much. That's 360, much. so like. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It, yeah. Super hot as well is another good one. That I mean, when I'm playing that now on Quest, like I just can't even. Yeah, that's another on. one I played on Quest. Yeah. I wouldn't even think about trying that with a cable. I I basically barrel roll into walls and stuff when I'm playing that. My housemates are like, <laughs> what are you doing? And I've like, I actually have a marker on my touch controller because I just like went to slam someone's head. I didn't realize the barrier was so close, and there was a big metal heater. I just went slamming into it. <laughs> Made a nice noise. I still got the guy, so I mean, I don't mind. Well. <laughs> so back when the yeah. back yeah. when the quest came out, we did a bunch of launch live streams where I was streaming myself from my living room, running around, and uh, people on chat would ha- would like literally donate money, asking me to do things. Like I did a barrel Run roll a while playing while playing paintball in rec room. Like I rolled on the ground. <laughs> I did yeah, a handstand hot. while doing like a meditation on a beach. Um, that was, was that, honestly that was highlight of the year for me to see that work on first attempt is you know David going upside down in his living room and you see the shot in VR of like he's in the grass 
yeah. uh, upside down, <laughs> and it just it it worked. It, yeah, it's amazing. I played I played like ten waves of Space Pirate Trainer lying on my back, with just rolling back and forth <laughs> to dodge bullets. It's like how it was, far can I push this system? Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the video of someone doing like they went outside and did an actual like like backflip in the air with a quest on? Yeah. You were, that's, fun that's fact. Something. Back yeah. in like 2016, using the original TP cast, we were like one of the first people to do that in our green screen studio. We had someone do a backflip wearing um like uh what was it? I think it was the Vive on the TP cast. He was doing Space Pirate Trainer and he was dodging bullets by flipping and stuff. Wow. And we did mixed reality so you could see him do it like inside nice. the game. It was pretty cool. There you go. Interesting. All right. Uh, well, I, I guess that's uh, enough about the climb until it comes out and we can see more about that. Let's move on to the next section of the show. And this is called Release of the Week. And this is where we talk about what we're playing this week uh let's let's start hey mike let's start over here with you i never start with the guest mike what are you playing this week hmm well i think in the last week my favorite game has to be stormland Ooh, <laughs> what's that what's that one tell Please, us about tell Storm us stormland what's that so stormland is insomniac's fourth vr game um, and we, we sort of took everything that we wanted to do on the previous ones and like bundled it together in this, like this big elaborate package that, um, gosh, I don't even know where to start. So I guess when we started on Stormland, the two things we really wanted to do was bring, um, really open free traversal to VR. Um, you know, this was a few years ago when, maybe at the apex of people's complaints about too much teleporting mechanics and, you know, like locomotion's too limited and that sort of makes them all feel the same and, and not quite as, um, as like compelling and deep as, as other games they're used to. And the second big thing was, um, just something that is, that is, that's deep, complex, compelling, and, um, has a design that is that is unique and sort of stand on stands on its own legs without sort of like being built around a singular like VR mechanic. So so given those two like initial goals, um, we sort of like built up a game around it that has the, these three sort of foundational elements. One is um, combat where you are sort of like grabbing guns and utilities and using some devices built into your body to fight a bunch of enemies um two is exploration where you well I, I should start two is traversal where you uh can grab onto the world or like fly through like guided by your hands um or you know just sort of like walk and turn as as a baseline um and then three use those traversal abilities and use those combat abilities to navigate this sort of like large exotic diverse world um trying to find things and and sort of uncover secrets and lore and see what th this this weird place is all about so so yeah to to recap some stormland is a game about being able to go wherever you want having this vast playground in front of you seeing some interesting looking spot in the distance getting there using the motion of your hands sort of quickly with free agency finding things along the way fighting things along the way that are trying to stop you from getting there 
um, and giving you sort of rich enough systems to where you want to come back to that and you can sort of like keep playing it and you'll always find new stuff and encounter unique challenges. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing your one-on-one -on -one with David at the end of the show uh, to get more in-depth with uh, with your game. Um, you know, it, it's, it's always cool to have developers come on and talk about their games. They're always really passionate. I'm going to challenge you here. Have you played anything else this week or have you only been heads down on storm <laughs> i i have been only heads down on stormland to be honest for a while um we can forgive I, you I yeah, that's understandable yeah. yeah 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 um i mean the the closest anything else has come is um link's awakening because i can play that when my kids are around <laughs> i can my, yeah. uh, my headset yeah. when my kids are around i'm yeah. in yeah right here mr zelda over here yeah nicest compliment i've ever received I mean, so there, there's true. there's commentary what, what do we have from yeah, the, oh, there's uh, a lot of a lot of stormland love people going stormland exclamation mark stormland looks incredible just so good and then someone said i want stormland on psvr um someone else said it's so immersive there isn't even a start menu you launch the game you're just there where you last were which is i love that cool. I, I didn't that. know that that's it, pretty cool it actually reminds me of the uh whenever you first begin the original infamous game on ps3 the start menu is just like a little picturesque park and uh, yep, for, like asgard's wrath i love but one of my issues with that game are the loading screens and whenever you first put mm -hmm. it on when you put on the headset no matter how many times you played it you have to calibrate and t-pose and click the sticks and then load your game and it takes like a solid minute or two just to get into the game and so I think, um, you know, anything that can lessen friction is great. And Stormland's a good example. Yeah, of that. I had that. I had that last night. I had tried No Man's Sky for the first time. Oh, and geez. It was yeah. cool once I got into it. But man, getting into it was there was that kind of extended star sequence. And I was like, what's happening? Is this just a loading screen that I figured out it kind of was? And like, there was just a lot of of, of distance. And also the menu kind of wasn't like a VR menu at start. It was like a, yeah. just a screen. And I was like, mm -hmm. is, this, is this working to, properly? There's a lot of no friction. To No Man's Sky credit, though, once you do get in, they hide mm. the loading very well. You don't yeah. ever see yeah, a traditional yeah, yeah. loading screen, yeah. which is yeah. which yeah. is kind of neat. Yeah. Which is cool because you can just take off, right? And then just like yeah. fly somewhere and it's all kind of hidden, which is once you get in, it was cool. But starting off, I definitely felt some of that. I was like, I just kind of want to want to get in. Where's the yeah. shit? But there there are a few but... things worse than a loading screen in VR because it's just – you you feel trapped like you can't you literally can't do anything you know I take yeah. my headset off and check Except my phone. Except take the headset off, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Or th yeah. that that's why I, that's the one thing that I will continually say I love about the Vive Cosmos is being able to flip that to visor flip up, which is which is pretty nice. Yeah, that that's about yeah. all I've got to say though. Yeah, I mean I agree <laughs> with all of this. I think more more and more as time goes on, um, we're sort of realizing the value of getting rid of that initial friction. I mean, like mm. you've seen a trend in, in uh, the developers of plat like platform holders trying to smooth those out and improve them just because I think those were undervalued for a really long time. And we sort of built yeah. up all this baggage about like things that we had to do up front, you know, whether that's like, um, like legal screens or like, you know, preloading or mm. letting through select your mode, like, uh -huh. um, I think that this is going to be even more important to the quest generation where like more, more than ever, people are going to feel that friction of having to wait and load if that, if that is a thing in a game, 
Um, so I think Stormland's approach is, is, is kind of forward-looking. And, and when you see, like, I think the best uh, quest games, they'll, they'll do something very similar to where you just want to, like, have, be in the game playing yeah. as soon as it starts. Um, not well, just because, like, that's what you want more than ever because you're wearing a headset, but I think it also, like, demos well. Um, like, you want that same sort of experience for anybody you want to hand a headset to. You don't want them to have to yeah. configure their character or, or, you know, recalibrate or go through a bunch of settings. You just want it to work right away. Yeah, That's part of why the quest works, right? Because you can just give it to someone and there's such little friction. You can just kind yep. of go, here it is, and they put it on and that's that. And you don't kind of have that same, you have much more of that friction when you're using a, a traditional PC VR headset. Yeah. So were there any other releases that we want to talk about uh, this uh, week? I want to mention the Under Presents. Uh, so that's oh, uh, from that Tender out. Claws. That's the maker of virtual virtual reality. It just arrived on Quest. Uh, given the way that Facebook is curating stuff on Quest, that means there isn't a lot of experimental things. So there's mm. a lot of polish applied to everything that's on Quest. And there's a lot of polish applied to to this app, to to uh, the Under Presents, but it's the most unusual, unexpected, and I have to use the word experimental because it's so different than anything else you will find in VR. So uh, it's it's live performance, scripted performance. There's time looping where you can uh, sort of replay uh, a part from a different perspective. Uh, just uh, I need to dive into it more. I need to spend more time with it. And uh, just want to call that out there from Tender Claws. It's, it's one of the most Looks unusual really cool. and intriguing things you'll find in VR right now. I was, I, I, was, awesome. I was already, I, when I wrote about it the other day, I was already pretty keen on it because after writing, I was like, this sounds really cool. Then I was kind of browsing Reddit last night before I was uh, going to sleep. And some people who had checked it out were like, I can't tell what's real and what's not here. Like it's really blending the kind of, what's a live performance what's because i think sometimes there's like live performers sometimes it might be a recording sometimes it might be like an npc and you can't really tell and they're like it's so weird to be in this it changes how you interact with everything because you can't tell what's kind of happening live or what might be mm. recorded or yeah so and, i think that's a really cool thing to play around with and the developers are are playing with themes of death uh, life existence just very very deep straight to the core of where vr sits for you know mm. us as people and in how that how we exist relative to this technology and uh they pushed that so far with virtual virtual reality and then took their time to develop this this new one and it's mm. you're not going to find something that kind of deals with those issues as deeply as this project very cool all right any uh comments there harry Someone we've got someone saying under presents is a very interesting game slash experience. Still haven't figured out what it's all about, but I love it so far, which that sounds, sounds about, about right. Yeah. Sounds about right. And then to go back a bit earlier, someone was saying back to no man's sky, no man's sky button mappings aren't that intuitive when you're flying and such. I found you get used to it, but it takes a while. That's what I found. Uh, yeah. It's definitely one of those games too. where I haven't played it in about three months since I did the review. I haven't had time and I'm mm. going to have to relearn everything. If when yeah, I go back, it's a lot of, I mean, it's a lot of stuff. Yeah, because mm. it's it. I feel like a lot of good VR, you don't have to think about the buttons. You don't have to think about anything. Mm. It just feels natural and intuitive. And No Man's Sky is the exact opposite, where I have to literally memorize. Okay, when I'm on foot, this button does this. When I'm in a car, it does this. When I'm in my ship, it does this. Okay, mm. but that button switches to rockets. No, I want to switch the laser. 
hang on, let me look up the controls. Oh, wait, SteamVR doesn't have the right button mapping. I don't know what to do. I'm gonna <laughs> and now it. you're dead. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it that happens. was definitely a big topic of of debate as we were going through Stormland development, where you know you've got all these like buttons and sticks and and things that you have, and the temptation is to just like put a new function on a button because it's there. Um, but you know they're not intuitive to learn. Like it takes a mental mapping to go through a controller button, and and ultimately we tried to scrub all that stuff out so that everything you could interact with was an affordance just like here's where your hand goes and it's either a you know a handle or a press or a push or something like that just because yeah, it like made everything super intuitive that, one of my favorite things you guys did is uh you know like instead of pushing a button to pull up the map you just do this and the map appears yep. here as like an orb it's it's so cool yeah mm. great all right well let's move on to the hot topic of the week. So this is going to be a good one. I am really excited about this because it's Oculus link and Harry is sitting right here using Oculus link. Who, who um, yeah. Yes. And uh, our community download uh, this week, why don't you give us some of the rundown from the community download? I think the, so, the topic, the topic was, um, do you think, Oculus Link makes the Quest the only headset truly worth buying. Right, right now. Right now. Right, 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 now. Now. right now. Right now. Yeah. So some of the comments we've got highlighted here. So we've got uh, Shadow99. So they said, the Quest is too front heavy to be comfortable or viable to me. Yep. That's, I uh, feel like it's yeah. like, we'll have, I'll read them all out and we'll go through it. So Scott Arthur said, after trying out Oculus Link on a high-end PC, and as of this current point in time, I can absolutely say that Quest performs so incredibly well through that thin little USB 3 cable that it almost seems like magic. Um, for only being a beta, I can hardly believe it works as well. It pretty much eliminates the need for any other headset right now. Quest can do it all. I have not yet tried it with Steam VR, but I've heard it works. It does. So I'll reserve final judgment until then and the official Link 1.0 release. But for an early release, it has me very impressed. And last comment. So just got myself a nine pound USB-C to USB-3 cable uh, for Amazon and tested the new Oculus Link beta on my Quest to PC. And by Jezza, it works a treat. Amazing picture quality, in my honest opinion, better than the Index, which I am about to now return and very responsive. Ooh. What a time Ooh. to be, uh, oh wait, words. you mean this isn't real? Recommended. Yeah, so I think that's a good uh, mix of comments because you've got people who are very, I think, look, I think overall, especially considering it's a beta, it works incredibly well. Like problems I've had with it aside, which I can't tell whether I'm pretty sure they're on my end, but it's hard to tell whether they're my end or, or maybe it's some or a combination of both. But when it's working, it works incredibly well. Um, I think the first comment about it being too front heavy slash comfortable has some, um, you know, yeah. merit to it. Yeah. I know, the, I know I there's a lot of people that just, the quest is just not comfortable period you know i yeah. think um you know tatiana here at upload is definitely yeah. one of those people and uh, the weird thing about vr is it's like everyone's head is so different you know it's like how do you make a headset that's comfortable for everyone because for me mm. i would say the quest is like it's extremely comfortable I, I like it a lot it's way more comfortable than the rift or the vive um for me personally but you don't get um, you don't get sick in vr correct yeah yeah it's a good point that's a that's a big difference um, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, because so, so it's I, so much worse when you can get sick. I, I walk in, 
I walk into the, uh, our, I guess I'll just call it a computer room and my children are sitting there and the Rift S is attached to one of these computers. And I said, Hey, Oculus link is out now. We can plug the quest into the PC and it'll run like a tethered. And then you can play all of the PC VR games. And my 14 year old daughter, she says, um, no, thanks. The Rift <laughs> S is way more comfortable. And then she yeah. says, why doesn't the quest have the strap like the Rift S does? And I just looked at her and I said, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. So <laughs> they didn't well, want to license it from Lenovo for <laughs> yeah. two headsets. Yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the, the reason. And that, yeah. Remember that like there's a lot of intricacies there, but like uh, the Halo strap on the Lenovo headset is from the PSVR system. Mm. So PSVR innovated that strap system that's why the one of the reasons psvr is so darn comfortable is because of that halo strap and then there was some kind of an agreement between lenovo and sony to license that technology and then facebook and partnered with lenovo to build the rift s and you know it's it, all these headsets get developed in different in you know in a very long cycle prior to them actually shipping and um there's differences like the lack of ipd adjustment is i'm wearing a rift s right now and i would prefer to wear a quest because of the ipd adjustment that's mm. a big thing for me because of the way my my particular face is shaped and mm. it, every different person has a different sort of reaction to the different comfort factors of these devices yeah i'm curious mike do you have any uh thoughts on the, the oculus link yeah definitely um so when the link was first announced um the the team at Insomniac pretty much like rejoiced because you know we want as many people to be able to play our game as yeah. possible. This not only expands it in the in the short term, but I think the quest um, has has a bright future, and it's nice to know that anything you develop for the Rift basically has access to that audience going forward. So, um, so so we were really excited to see it announced. Um, and luckily, when it was announced at OC6, um, one of the titles they used to to demonstrate it working was um, our old Stormland single player demo. So then that sort of washed away any doubts about how hard it was going to be to get the thing ported over and get it working because we didn't need to do a thing and we could literally just like play it and be like, oh, well, we're sold. Like, yeah, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like I now I can play Stormland. I haven't tried it yet, but that's something I can do now, which is super cool because it's not. And I think the other thing about like I get the people that are like, well, a lot of people who have Quest won't necessarily have like a PC that can run Link, right? Because people who are buying Quests don't necessarily have that. That's kind of the draw card of the Quest in some ways. But I think the thing to remember is if you do have a gaming PC like I do, all of a sudden it's like I've been gifted almost a whole new headset, like just suddenly out of nowhere. And mm -hmm. it, and it was, yeah. I kind of knew that you, it, it, I'm not that I knew it might happen, but I knew there was a chance. Like people had kind of talked about it, wondered whether it was going to happen. But then I remember when they announced that it, it was like, wow, it's actually happening. And then just the other day when I finally got it working, plugging that in, I was like far out. Now I can literally play so many more games. It's, and it's not at the expense of anything like it's just it's been given for free it's this huge update that i've now got and i can play there's a whole huge library of things i can play that just it's like one day i didn't have it now i do and all i needed was a cord it's i think from that perspective from like a consumer perspective it's quite incredible let let's talk about that cord though 
because yeah, not all chords are equal. Mm. Okay. As um, I've been learning. Yeah. So what chord did you end up getting? So there's the one that we had on the site that was the the recommended one. Now that's not available in Australia in the length that we were recommending. Uh, what was the was the length three three meters or whatever that is in yeah, feet? Yeah, ten feet. Well, ten yeah. feet. Yeah. Yeah. So ten feet. So I think I've got a, a one point eight meter. So I think six foot version, which sounds really short. But I have it sounds really short. But I've got a port at the very front of my computer. Um. So it's basically at the front of my desk. Works with stuff like this. If I kind of turn my chair around, I can still like I was playing No Man's Sky yesterday, standing up, sitting down. It still worked fine. I didn't really have any. It's a little bit short, but it wasn't too bad. But it's basically the shorter version of that one. Um, I have tried various other combinations of things, and the results have been uh, overall bad. None of them have worked, but it's kind of very complicated as to um, what works and what doesn't. And like, there's so many things I've, I've quickly learned. As, as our producer who's behind the camera, Heaney, has been telling me, USB 3 is a lie. Not everything uh, <laughs> works to that specification. Um, and so there's like, for example, I've got like a, a USB-C to USB 3 adapter that that i know works that i can plug into the side of my quest but then i got a usb3 cable that was very long and that does not work it is not actually usb3 even though it looks like one and says it is it is not and, and so i plug it in and it just doesn't work i, I want to say people should be very careful when purchasing their cables verifying mm. that it meets you know it's the actual thing that they're advertising on the website we we put yeah. up that recommended cable and that thing sold out very fast and now the <laughs> The listing goes to other other Amazon listings besides the one that we confirmed as yeah, is, working. Does it go to the and shorter so version careful. of the same cable? Is, it, is that what it is? I can't Last night when I checked it, the 10 feet version page was actually back up. There we um, go. But it's back order to December now. Oh, yeah, right. But it does. Uh, I think so, it did go. It did go to the like shorter version, which I think is the one yeah. I've got. So, but that's no good if you're, if you, my situation is very specific in that it works yeah. for short cable, but. So and I'm I think, curious. I think that cable though, to, to be clear, is available on eBay and Groupon as well. Some yeah. people have reported yeah. they bought it elsewhere and it does work. Yeah. Um, so we mm -hmm. have the actual product number in our article, so you can make sure you're getting the exact yeah, right one. You can one. double check. It's the exact one. I'm curious though. Does the mm. cable that the quest comes no. with. No. Nope. No, it, it doesn't work. With because as long as it is, and it's, as, and as perfect really as that would it's, be, it's to... perfect. Because yeah, and that cable, like all all uh, link stuff aside, that is my favorite cable I own in my house because it is so long. It now works with my phone. I can walk around my whole room with that thing plugged in, and never run out of room for my just on my phone alone, right? Like I love that cable it's so long. But no, because that cable is a USB 2.0, uh, 2.0 cable. Um, so. <laughs> It doesn't work at all. No, you could, because what happens essentially, if you plug anything USB 2.0 in, um, the Oculus app recognizes it and it goes like Quest is connected, but it needs to be 3.0. So that's essentially what would happen. Um, mm. Doesn't work. Lovely. No. Well, so much for yeah. that concept then. All right. Yeah. I'll have yeah. to go find myself a cable, go down to the local Radio Shack. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Radio Shack. Yeah, yeah. rip. Yeah. All right. Uh, any other comments on Quest? I mean, and the link, if, if you don't need the link, uh, you know, if you don't need all those PC games, maybe wait around for the official cable. If you've got, you know, the yeah. money for that more expensive cable and yeah, uh, you don't really need it. dollars to be clear. It's very expensive. But yeah, literally seven times the price, but, but it is going to be longer too. And it should be way higher quality. Yep. I mean, yeah, I that's a very, 
I get why it's so expensive. I do because it's it's very high quality. It's like an optical cable, super thin, all that stuff. That being said, that is a very expensive cable. Like <laughs> yeah. that's 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 more than any game, and that's but, not even counting. Then you're gonna have to buy games to but, play with. But think about that premium. But think about yeah. that, Harry. Like you you said that cable is your favorite cable. You're gonna get a, a, a one that's just as long or longer. And it's also yeah, but, USB three, yeah. so it'll do more yeah. things than the for, than the cable you've got with your Quest. <laughs> yeah, but but, uh, but I, I love the cable that came with my Quest because it came with my Quest. I didn't I didn't pay eighty. I wouldn't pay eighty dollars for that cable. <laughs> I mean, I look, I get I get it because it you it's asked that this, all this being said, I will still buy the cable despite how expensive it is. But Heaven I don't know. You're a big yeah, phony. Look, you're buy a big all phony. The no, Take off look, that leather jacket. You're not cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, look, I don't know. I just think it's. I get where the cost is coming from, but that's super expensive. And also, if let's say six months down the line, I mean, okay, the KO is not that far off. Probably, do we have it? It's, it's next or late this year, right? So, yeah, but, but in limited quantities in certain places, limited yeah. quantities. So that that doesn't, I think, sound particularly good for like wide availability. I have a feeling it might sell out very quickly, but. Assuming, you know, in a couple months' time, you can get the official cable, um, you know, it's not of limited qualities anymore. Surely by then we'll know what cables do and don't work, and there will be some other similar but much cheaper, equally yeah. as long cable. And at that point, you kind of go, well, if it's performing the same, which it should be able to, I think, realistically, and you can find some somewhat light kind of option and just route it correctly for the same length, then I don't know yeah. what... I don't know why you would recommend the really expensive cable if the performance is the same. Because it mean, might performance... have it might have the Oculus logo on it. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> true. There you that's go. true. No, I do love an the Oculus Facebook logo. Facebook logo. Sorry. Yeah. yeah the, I also yeah, wouldn't the... underestimate Oculus's ability to uh, discount the price because I mean mm. they they mm. they have done a good job I think of adjusting quickly to like you know what the market will tolerate and you know this well, is yeah, what, right right now. what if they bundled. Like that's, a game or two but, with it, that would be, oh. yeah. <laughs> that's not what I was gonna say. What I was gonna say is Oculus needs to just put that cable in the Quest box moving forward. Well, well, wait I mean, a second. That would be nice. I, I I kind of agree, but you have to respect Facebook's efforts to ship the lowest cost possible, best experience they can possibly put into a box. So like, I. I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that we see like a Quest Pro next year or something that ships with the USB 3 cord out of the yeah. box because yeah. you don't want to suddenly raise the price of this hardware yeah. um, just yeah. to give some people an optional feature that not everyone's going to use. I get it. I get it. So next year they'll put out the Quest Pro now in six beautiful colors, including the link cable for the same price. I, I definitely feel like perhaps an option down the line if we're talking or about the, that. Or the Quest that... XR, maybe. Well, <laughs> yeah, oh. Exactly, the Quest XR. Yeah. Or, or the, 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 the Quest S. It'd be like the Rift S, <laughs> but you just... It'd be the Quest S. It'd be the Quest S, and it comes with the cable, so you can also play PC. PC not included, but it comes with the cable, so you can play... PC VR. I do feel like that's an option down the line. Is that there's the normal Quest and there's the Quest that comes with the cable, so that yeah. it's a bit it's a bit more, but maybe a little discounted price altogether. I feel like that. Well, would work. I I think there's a lot still to be said about Quest Link, and it is still in beta or Oculus Link uh, for the Quest. I, I think that as time goes on, we're going to see some more development, and some of the stuff that we're talking about right now might actually happen. Who knows? Mm. 
Mm. Uh, before we get into our interview, I want to make sure that we take some time to uh, talk about some of the stuff that's going on at UploadVR.com, uh, some of the highlights of things that are coming out. Hey, David, can you give us uh, a, a few things that are happening? You got it, bro. If you're listening on the podcast, that's awkward, but I pointed with my hand, so it, it, was, a, <laughs> it, was, it was a cool moment where it was... You don't, you yeah, don't get the hand anyway. translations. Yeah. Um, so tomorrow, we have the next episode of the VR Culture Show, which Ooh. is from... Zame, Blit, I was going to say Zamy, but Jamie and Zena. Um, they do a video show where they go through a lot of the non-gaming things happening in VR. I Off the top of my head, I can't remember what this week's episode is about it's um like a monthly show they do every now and then um they did one on a film festival not too long ago and um i thought it was the vr awards right that's the, that's what this episode mm. is about yeah they went to the vr awards and they filmed and stuff um so that's going to be tomorrow or uh, not tomorrow friday actually it's friday, friday. yes friday, yeah, they moved yeah. it because everything had to move because of valve yeah so it's valve. friday valve just... um but tomorrow we're going to do another episode of this with Jamie here instead of me, so it's slightly downgraded, but he will be here instead. <laughs> and uh, you guys are going to talk about um, Half-Life Alex, which is yeah. coming out um, hopefully soon. We don't know. Valve is going to tell us about Who it. And we're we'll going to tomorrow, maybe. Yeah, have a reaction show right after the announcement. Um, so you can tune into that here on our YouTube. And uh, next week, actually on Wednesday before Thanksgiving, before American Thanksgiving, oh, um, <laughs> uh, we will have our holiday VR showcase, which is a lot like the E3 VR showcase, but it's not attached to E3. Instead, we're doing our own thing. Um, we're going to have a bunch of announcements, some new game footage. Um, we're going to, I think we have some new game reveals that we're going to be showing, a gameplay for some new games. Um, it's not going to have quite as big of the announcements as our E3 show because it's not attached to E3, obviously, but it does have a lot of great, um, some AAA content, some indie content. It's it's uh, shaping up to be a really good show. So that's next week on Wednesday at 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific. You can see that here on our YouTube. And um, I'm probably missing something. I know uh, Jamie just put out a video here on our YouTube going through who Alex is from Half-Life, which we talked about earlier. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, the cool things that we're doing here at Upload. What I'm hearing here, David, is that if I haven't been to Upload VR's YouTube channel in a while, right now would probably be a pretty good time to get reacquainted with it. So I would uh, definitely yeah. go check out uh, on YouTube the Upload VR channel because great stuff. Uh, just fantastic content always being poured into that. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited about the showcase. Uh, that's one of those videos that you definitely want to uh, have your coffee and your, uh, you know, your scones or whatever and be sitting at your computer waiting to watch. It's going to be a fantastic show. All right. Uh, any more last-minute comments here before we go over to our interview, Harry? No, I think there's most of it. Some people were just commenting on the avatars and how expressive uh, the body language is, which, you know, very true. We're okay, all very good. expressive people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think some people are saying that I think this is in relation to the, the link cord, which I said, I think it's a trick. It's not out yet because they're hoping it will be wireless at that time. Mm -hmm. Carmack's last gift to us. I mean, he did kind of comment on the wireless thing, didn't he? I think he's kind of said it's not there yet or like it's Valve, potentially. Yeah. Valve has also made a comment about wireless too, right? Didn't Wasn't that one of the things that they Ooh, said uh, it was that they're looking into wireless yeah. stuff too for index. Yeah. 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 Well, so, fantastic. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap up this part of the show. 
and we'll move on to the interview segment. So stay tuned. Give us some time to switch seats. And, uh, and thanks for watching. Hello, everyone. Thank you for sticking around for the one-on-one interview segment of the Upload VR download here on our YouTube channel and on podcast platforms around the world. Uh, my name is David Jagno. Once again, I am from Upload VR, and I'm joined by Mike Daly from Insomniac Games. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, I, I've been very excited these past few days, um, and for, for good reason. Yeah, so I, I guess you're a big uh, you're a big fan of VR games, and uh, you guys have worked on a couple, you know, a handful, yep. um, more than most developers, I would I would even say. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, obviously, Stormland recently came out. Uh, we gave it four to five in our review. We're a big fan of the game. We really enjoyed playing it. Uh, co-op was a blast. Um, we, we I think we streamed it shortly after it came out. We're going to do some more streams as well. Uh, really like it. Um, so uh, I guess for you, I, I would be most interested in hearing um, about sort of Insomniac has been involved in VR um, since bef- way before the Rift even came out. You guys were working on um, uh, games like The Unspoken, Edge of Nowhere, Feral Rights, you know, so a lot of VR experience. Uh, for you in particular, can you kind of just uh, tell us a little bit about um, your um, history in game development and kind of where you got started and what brought you to VR? Yeah, sure. Um, I suppose in the beginning, I was like 14 and got to go to like a summer camp that was teaching programming. Um, I'd always loved games, but it wasn't until this like like really, really simplistic class that sort of the, the curtain was peeled back on what um, what computers could do or just mm. how they worked, really. Yeah. And I, I really like fell in love with it and basically like went home and started trying to figure out how to make my own games. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like a, a caveman learning that you could bang two rocks together. Yeah. And that's more or less <laughs> what I was doing for like the next 10 years. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, just like yeah. really crude stuff. Um, but I, I continued, basically, I like chased that passion through high school and through college, um, got got lucky through some connections and started working in the game industry, um, doing um, exporter tools and then later like engine development as for, for like a, ga- a middleware game engine. So it was used in a lot of different games and I do like support for those studios and expand uh you know make sure that our tool chain sort of worked with what they needed to do optimized oh, okay. The, okay. the engine for that sort of stuff um that that taught me really good like engineering discipline um but it never really like satisfied me very creatively so my free time i kept doing like game jams and hobby projects and and just like all sorts of like fun stuff um so eventually that that sort of drove me to to jump into like developing a game proper. Um, so I became a gameplay programmer, um, started working on some fun stuff like procedural generation tools and, uh, started working on weapons programming, which was, was a real, uh, which was super fun. So a few years later, um, I was looking to move back to my home state of North Carolina and some of my old colleagues from the engine company, um, you know, I reached out to them coincidentally they they were about to open a gameplay programmer position so i was like uh yes please i'll take it <laughs> so that's how i got started in insomniac um well there you go folks that's how you get a job in the game industry you just say yep the, i'll take it yes exactly one, one, one please one, one job please <laughs> <laughs> yep so i i worked for a few years on uh various ratchet and clank titles um 
So I was doing mm, programming on okay. Full Frontal Assault and Nexus for the PS3. Um, then I transitioned departments and was the lead designer on Ratchet and Clank for PS4. Um, since Ratchet and Clank, um, that, that was around the time uh, we were talking with Oculus about uh, putting together Rift launch titles. And so um, I, I went from Ratchet to Edge of Nowhere, which was still very early. Um, and at the time, you know, with the platform not developed yet and the hardware not out yet, um, there was a lot of unknowns and sort of the sky was the limit too. So um, we had a lot to figure out. And the game eventually sort of like formed into edge of nowhere from just like I, I, ideas all over the place. Um, that that game was a lot of fun to work on, but it was at a time where like we were still trying to feel out questions like, does everything need to be in first person? Um, you know, what? how far can you go to support like traditional uh, games? Real quick, I just want to say um, someone in the chat is saying that we're not taking questions. We are. I am going to read some of these questions people have, but I'm just letting you finish your origin story here. But I do have chat pulled up on an Oculus Dash window. Um, so I'll read some of these questions in just a little bit. All right. Yeah, so Edge cool. of Nowhere, that was a gamepad-only Rift game. Um, that yeah. wasn't a launch title, though, right? It came out after? That's right. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, so we were targeting like a launch window, um, and you know, as we as, as that time was approaching, um, you know, we felt that we would be able to produce the best game by launching. I guess it was the following April. Um, so we were about like five months out, and at the time, you know, there were through most of the development, there was no concept of like touch controllers. So we knew we were mm. going to be developing gamepad from the beginning. Right. right. And, and part of the whole like theory was. Um, what does like a traditional action game look like in VR? And that's why we made a game where you sort of like follow this avatar and have, you know, sort of running and jumping and climbing controls just, just to see if it could be done. You know, there, there was no real examples right, to follow right. when we got started on it. So it felt like we were really like blazing new territory, which was a, a lot of fun, um, but, you know, kind of anxiety-inducing, but, you know, it's the sort yeah, for, of adventure you sign up and for. <laughs> and for those unfamiliar, Edge of Nowhere, that, um, to me, I kind of describe it as sort of a Tomb Raider meets Lovecraft sort of a type of a game. It's action-adventure, third-person, you know, a lot of climbing, a lot of exploration, a lot of, uh, there's some stealth moments in there. And um, I think one thing in particular that stands out to me in my recollection of it is even though it's a third-person game, um, there's still a great sense of presence because of how um, large the world feels and the sense of scale mm -hmm. that you guys use. I know there's that one particular moment on the bridge with the giant monster and <laughs> you have to really crane your neck up to look. That was one of my first VR experiences where I, you know, I felt small and in insignificant. And, you know, I think that was something you guys did really well with that one. And that's, you know, those are some philosophies that are carried through into Stormland as well. And um, yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. Um, we made a lot of discoveries in Edge of Nowhere, both about stuff that worked well, like, you know, putting you in this awesome setting where you could get a sense of scale and letting you move through it, but also things that don't work, like um, trying to get you to, like, pay attention to, like, this <laughs> character or thing that's happening when you're yeah. surrounded by this I remember, awesome, like, cutscenes would sort of take control of the camera away from you a little bit, and that was a little jarring. And uh, there was that intro moment where you're actually in first person on the plane. And that was a little yeah. trippy than going into third person after that. So there, I mean, some lessons to be learned. That was, you know, early days for VR for sure. Yeah. And, and there were a lot of, uh, a lot of discoveries that didn't end up shipping in the game that 
that didn't, you know, that didn't work too well either. So we really like got our, got our feet wet, learned a lot of lessons. Um, and, and, you know, as, as it became time to like produce and finish the game, there were a lot more ideas that we were mm. having and we already had that we didn't really, you know, it didn't make sense to start prototyping and, and to build off of them at that point, because it's, you know, we were on a course to finish and, and give people this cool game to play. Um, so and, uh, as, I, as we were wrapping up, <clears throat> sorry, go on. Oh, I was just going to say that um, I, I don't want us to, to get too, too bogged down talking about your previous game. So, I mean, obviously you worked on edge of nowhere and Insomniac's uh, other work, you know, obviously is Unspoken, which is that uh, magic dueling game. It was a big mm -hmm. esport for a while. Uh, Feral Rights, which was like a top-down third-person action game. Um, but a Stormland, that's the new one. That's the big new one. And um, that one has co-op and, you know, it has, um, you know, amazing traversal mechanics that are just um, so fast and freeing. But you somehow seem to have avoided a lot of the motion sickness that uh, a lot of other games fall uh, victim to. Um, well, one of the questions we have here is if you could kind of talk a little bit about how you were able to do that traversal and make it comfortable. Uh, I mean, can you give any insights into how that was accomplished? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the collection of a lot of little things, but uh, some of those little things that, that jump out to me are um, a lot of our core traversal moves are based off of hand motion rather mm. than like stick motion. So. You know, climbing is sort of the main one, and, and we've seen a lot of like climbing in games by now. There's a few things we found that work well for it. One is that we've got sort of this like this distance tether that lets you climb away from the wall by a few feet. Um, that's nice right, because right, right. you get a better sense for your surroundings and you can look around. The motion is a little bit slower, and so you're insulated from any sort of like frame jerkiness or like you know tracking issues. Um, yeah, and I know for me in other VR games a lot, if I'm climbing something, it, it can be frustrating because I won't be looking at my hand mm -hmm. and I go to grab where I, I think the rock is or whatever. But since it's not real life, I don't have the haptics of feeling the texture of the wall and knowing where my hand is and in space. I miss it by like an inch and then I go to pull and I look back and I'm falling. And it's yeah. like, well, that's that's annoying and that's kind of frustrating. But you guys solve that by... You know, like you said, the tether, your hand can be like this far away and you push grip and then it sort of shoots a little beam to the wall to create the, you know, illusion of you grabbing it. So I think that that was a good solution. Yeah, like reliability or, you know, meeting players' expectations is definitely like a central theme in uh, designing a game for comfort. And being able to tether when you expect under many different conditions is, is definitely part of that because you don't want players to suddenly start falling when they don't expect to. So a mm -hmm. super reliable climbing tethering mechanism that doesn't rely on you having to um, know sort of exactly where the wall is or tell which part of your hand is supposed to be in contact with it. And then since you're not directly against the wall, you know, colliding with it, you can fling yourself and you can go up really yes. fast. And that's yeah. so uh, fun to it, do. Yeah. And, and that's one I wish um, I had some sort of like comfort insight for, but for that, we were just like, okay, well, it makes perfect sense. I want to fling myself or prototyping this so let's just try it and then uh -huh. it was one of those like pleasant surprises that it didn't really bother people that much i mean in retrospect i think the theory that guides that is um using the motion of your hands to drive your locomotion that motion has a ripple effect through your body to your head and so your inner ear 
when it's like perfectly stable is when it's the most sensitive to artificial motion. And when there's this like natural motion sort of rippling through your body, causing mm, it to shift and move, yeah. it sort of dampens it. It's like adding noise to this, this that, signal that, of, like, of force disconnection. Of going like that, people almost move their head a little bit when they do it too. And exactly. I think that kind of helps create that yep. illusion of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, the extra like physical signal sort of masks the the artificial acceleration wow. and that that helps a lot. Um or at least that's my theory. You know, I'm you know, I, I wish yeah, we could sense. do like yeah. brain scans and stuff to figure <laughs> out for sure, but it's just guesses even at this point. Um one of the other good questions uh, someone had, um this is not really a feature question or like a game design question, but um are you guys going to have like um the ability to do separate save files or cloud saves or anything like that. Is that something on the roadmap? Because I know one person was saying that they, they want to show the game to someone, but they don't really want them to have to jump into the end game, you know, on their mm. file or anything like that. Yeah. So we do, we, we are turning on cloud saves. I don't know exactly when, but it is, it is a feature that we put in the game. Okay. Um, the, the multiple save files, um, I'm afraid that your option there is is more or less like a workaround, which is just like rename your save file <laughs> and so you can sort of bounce back between them freely as you oh, want. Oh, just back it up in a different folder and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so, okay. you know, that's flexible, but, you know, there is a little like friction to, you know, going to Discord and figuring out where it is located. Okay. And... Um, so one of the other questions someone has, they noticed it seemed like some surfaces weren't climbable. Is that mm -hmm. um, is that intentional to kind of funnel players to do certain things? Uh, not exactly. So like, yes, some some surfaces are not climbable. We tried to limit those for the purpose of guiding players to the very beginning of the game because okay. that's the part where um, so you hadn't really been given the full palette of tools yet and needing to get through that palette of tools is super important to being able to process the rest of the world. But outside of that starting area, um, the only time we use non-climbable surfaces is when being able to climb up there is sort of does more harm than good to the user experience, right. which is which is rare. But, you know, some places you just can kind of get your body body tangled up in or, you know, we didn't really like detail out all the way. Yeah, just some sort of uh, video game illusion, you know, tricks to, yeah. Yeah. Um, one, one person wants to know, uh, I don't know how much detail you can go into here, but obviously um, Insomniac is now owned by Sony, right? So Sony now owns Insomniac. Um, mm -hmm. But so what does that mean for the future of Stormland? Are there any plans for post-launch content? How long, you know, will you continue cycling the world? Because every Tuesday it resets and, you know, the, mm -hmm. the in-game content is different. Um, you know, are there DLC plans? You know, what does the future of Stormland look like? Because, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure a pe person buys the game, they play it, they love it, but then, you know, the, your studio is owned by a different platform holder that's also involved in VR. Um, you know, what does that look like exactly? Yeah. Well, so we designed the game sort of knowing that we wanted it to be able to sustain itself uh, without you know, us sort of like constantly like pushing it forward. So to that end, the the week to week rollover uh, will happen on its own, um, basically for like 16 weeks. And after 16 weeks, you'll see it go back to the beginning, and you can sort of go through the old layouts. We felt okay. that this was sort of a good trade off in both ways because that is so already so many layouts that you're probably not going to be like, oh my god, it's the exact same thing, or 
if you were, you probably felt that feeling just in general throughout the unique layouts that we give you. Sure, um, yeah. So, so there is that sort of automatic mechanism that, that is in place. As far as updates, uh, we're still working on basically like our patches, which include not just sort of like stability and bug fixes, but also a lot of quality things that we really wanted to get in and, and we didn't really have time for for the launch date. So we're still working on that stuff internally. Um, I'm not really in a good position to speculate on like Sony's plans for like the game or the IP, um, but I will say that Sony owns the Stormland IP now, so that's you know fully within their roster. Interesting. You know they they can do with that. So does what Sony they also <laughs> does Sony own the Unspoken, Edge of Nowhere, Feral Rights? So do they own all that IP? Yes, they do. Yep. Okay. And so theoretically. If they wanted to have you guys make another VR game in the Stormland universe, could they do that, or would they need to get Oculus's permission, or how does that work? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to check with our lawyers on that one. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. Fair point. Yeah. But I mean, even if um, sort of it, it required both parties to work together. Um, you know, nothing, nothing is impossible. Sony doesn't sure. have exactly the same like nature of relationship they do to like Microsoft or Nintendo. And, and I mean, even true, yeah. even I within mean, games like games like Heavy Rain are on PC now. So I mean, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And in, in those sort of traditional models we have for predicting like platform holder behavior seem to be. Um, at least according to the rumors, like not, not holding true as much as they did in the old days. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. I was playing the new call of duty modern warfare on my PS4 with my friend on his PC. Uh, he was on mm. mouse and keyboard, you know, crossplay. It's, it was wild. And, um, crossplay has been a thing since VR first came out because, you know, E Valkyrie has crossplay, spark has crossplay, star Trek bridge crew has crossplay, on PSVR and PC. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the doors are, are, are at least cracked to where there is the potential for that kind of stuff. And I guess a, a follow-up to that would be, um, theoretically, let's say Oculus, you know, wanted you guys to work on DLC for Stormland. Is that something they would need? Uh, do you know if that's something that could happen or does Sony need to, like, allow that? Or I don't know if, if you know the flip side of this arrangement. Well, th- that would definitely need to be an arrangement between sony and oculus okay Um, so you know it's kind of up to them to negotiate and and if if they can work out something that they feel like is mutually beneficial you know i'll be here (laughs) okay okay cool well um can you say whether or not you are working on anything for psvr or psvr2 is that something you can comment on at all nope (laughs) (laughs) yeah i figured not but i had to ask yeah yeah, of course. Worth, worth trying. It's too soon. Too soon. <laughs> um, Working on Stormland patches. <laughs> was was Sony involved at all in Stormland? Did they have any input into anything? Because that deal happened while you guys were working on it, right? Um, not not really. I mean, we we had a pretty good thing going with our our publishers at Oculus. Um, okay. I, ironically, there was some overlap between. Uh, those people and people we used to work with at Sony. So that actually felt really yeah. natural. Um, okay. But, but especially towards the end cycles when, you know, the, the Sony acquisition happened, we, we really had the, the product like figured out and it was just a matter of execution. 
And, so uh, there was, gonna, wasn't really that much room. <laughs> I'm going to throw this out there. And uh, obviously, I'm sure plenty of people at Insomniac has, have thought of this. This isn't an, an original idea. But of all the people on the planet that I feel like can make a great Spider-Man VR game. Come on. Mm. Come on. Mm. Well, we need it. We need it. Mm. The world needs it. Um, <laughs> uh, let me see. Let's look at some other questions. Um, Kev Gret yeah. uh, says you are great at answering questions, and it's a great interview. So the, the, everyone appreciates your transparency. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, I try. <laughs> uh, Mike, Mike Ward wants to know if there is plans for an Art of Stormland book. Oh, man. That would be cool. If there are plans, um, those are probably not the sort of plans I've been paying attention to lately. <laughs> so I, I don't know, but you can ask Vidi on the Insomniac Discord and he might be able to give you an answer. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Paradise Decay, we talked about Half-Life VR a little bit earlier um, and uh, Mike chimed in a little bit on that. So if you want to watch the beginning, you can see that. But tomorrow we will have a dedicated show for Half-Life VR. And um, let's see, any other questions here? Uh, Paradise Decay, the same person, has a good one. Um, if you had any important or key advice that you could pass on to a budding new VR developer, uh, what would it be? Hmm. Oh, man. Um, so spot, I would say... On the spot. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things a lot of new VR developers underestimate is um, hand presence. Like... In the same way that people were complaining about sort of the prevalence of um, teleport mechanics a few years ago, um, I feel like the next the next gripe that it's going to be harder and harder to get away without doing is sort of like low resolution fixed pose hands in game. So like my my random tip would be, um, it's worth the time and budget to have good intuitive, immersive, expressive hands and hand to world interactions. So like, you know, rather than allowing your hands to sort of stay fixed and, and pass through things or just sort of like be really basic looking, um, your hands are the heroes of your game. So put a lot of time and attention into making mm, them look good, to making their poses just right. Yeah. And yeah, and give them context sensitive interactions to anything you think the player might want to interact with. So like you know, if I wave, it's not quite the same seeing sort of like the rigid default pose as if the game detects a wave and plays, you know, a wave hand gesture or animation. So I would say um, that's probably one of the things I think that is undervalued current, currently and is an opportunity to help your game sort of stand out and leave a good first impression on players. And how, do, how does that um, extend to, you know, being relative to like a full body IK because you know with Stormland obviously you have a fully articulated robot body with arms and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff and uh, do you feel like that was a crucial thing as well because most VR games just have floating hands or forearms um so I mean um because I know IK is difficult mm -hmm. to do well in VR but that's something that you guys obviously felt the need to do was that was that driven from an immersion standpoint or was that because of co-op you need to have the other person animated anyway uh, it was both. So okay. when we sort of set our game's pillars, it had both immersion of being as immersive as we could possibly be and embracing presence um, and 
you know, we wanted to make a game that facilitated co-op. So um, to us, like many things aligned to make the full body avatar make sense, like, you know, grabbing things from off your body to be inventory instead of having any sort of like menus or items like um, having that that sense of presence that also reminded you who you were and, and what you were doing, um, giving you that feeling of like, oh, my gosh, a part of my body is transforming like that sort of break in immersion to mm-hmm. to to sell the theme. Um, all that stuff sort of aligned, the feeling of like building attachments onto you. Um, that being said, um, so I, that was very difficult. It is not, I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend like a, a new or budding VR developer take sure, on that challenge yeah, be, yeah. because of that difficulty. But I do hope that in the future, um, you know, figuring out where the where your bones are in the body based off of where your head and hands are is a common problem like across the industry so hopefully a piece of middleware or a platform will solve this problem so that everybody can take advantage of it that's sort of a best case scenario because it's not like different games are played by people with different bone structures or anything like that (laughs) that's a good point yeah um we have a couple other quick questions here um chris richardson is curious to know about the jewelry box on the base camp all this talk (laughs) about immersion but you can't pick it up yeah yep that that was a no-no and um and we we went through and and flagged certain things the the tricky thing about the jewelry box was that um it was it was placed there on purpose so that you had something to be curious about early and then something to scan once you got the scanner so that you could be like aha ah, okay. this mechanic I, I did is about scan it so that that, yeah. makes, that works yeah yeah it's about like learning more about the world and we wanted it to be conspicuous enough to be obvious um okay. but then we did realize like, oh, people are trying, going to want to grab this. We should do something about it. And, and we filed a bug and there were too many bugs. And we were just like, well, maybe this is not the most important bug. Uh, but there are a few other places in the game where stuff like sure. that slipped through. And it kind of, um, that, that was one of my pet peeves. So it, it bugged me that, you know, we didn't get to that. Okay. Um, one of the other interesting ones here is, um, Joe four nine thousand is uh, curious about subtitles in other languages. Is that something that you guys are looking into? It is not something we're looking into. Um, okay. We 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 sort of made the made the um, probably shouldn't throw anybody under the bus for this. So I'll just sure, say that sure. um, English is the only language that the game supports, unfortunately. Okay. Understandable. It's a it's a heavy resource burden to do something like that. That's not simple, and uh, you know even a VR it's even more complicated. I I would imagine to do subtitles and stuff. Um, uh, Sampler he answered some comfort questions earlier. Um, so you can um you can watch back at earlier parts of the interview if you uh, want some more insight into comfort. And um one other I, I guess we'll I'll ask one of these other questions here. This is more of a fun one to end on. Um, Paradise Decay. I want to know how many times the development team watched Short Circuit <laughs> <laughs> or, or Chappie or Chappie. Yeah. Uh, so those movies were do- definitely both inspirations. We didn't like okay. hold screenings or anything, but I feel like in my personal childhood, I, I watched Short Circuit enough to where like, I don't need <laughs> to watch it anymore. It's just ingrained. Yeah. Yeah. John, Johnny Five is in there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Or are we going to get a, a Nintendo crossover with Wally? Hey, can we get, can we get that? <laughs> or not Wally? That, I'm sorry. Um, what was his name? Rob. Rob. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was the Nintendo one. Wally's Disney. I, I get my robots confused. <laughs> I mean, they both apply. I would say Wally is perhaps more of a direct inspiration in Starland than sure, sure, Rob, yeah. the robot, robotic operated buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you remember the acronym. I didn't remember what it stood for. Okay. Yeah, that's that's get, get, getting pretty old school. <laughs> yeah, you know your robot lore. I like it. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, thank you very much for joining us here. And uh, sorry this episode went quite a bit longer than most of our other ones, but uh, we had a lot of good discussions and it was it was hard to move on. We had a lot of good talks and uh, I'm, I'm glad you were here to, to join us and uh, it was great talking with you again. I know we've spoken several times. Um, hopefully we'll get to continue to speak. If you continue working on VR stuff, I would love to see where Insomniac goes next. Um, in, in VR and outside of VR, I I I've finished Spider Man, finished Ratchet and Clank. I'm a big fan of you guys, so keep up the awesome work. And awesome. Uh, thank you, thank you for joining us here today. And uh, as you as you exit, you will receive a courtesy plant. Everyone receives a courtesy <laughs> plant. And oh, uh, excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, like I like we said earlier, um, Upload VR is going to have a special episode of the VR download again tomorrow which is a reaction episode where we will discuss Half-Life Alex, which is the new flagship AAA VR game from Valve. Um, they are detailing it tomorrow at 10 a.m. and immediately afterwards, or hopefully as close to immediately afterwards as we can, we're going to have another episode here in our studio, here on YouTube, and we will put it out as well on podcast platforms if you can't watch it live. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you check out uploadvr.com. Check out our other content here on our YouTube channel for all the latest reviews and news. And um, also on Friday, we're going to have the VR Culture Show, a new episode about the VR Awards here on our YouTube channel. So make sure you check that out. And uh, thank you once again, Mike. It was a pleasure having you. And uh, I am David Jagno, and this is Upload VR on the VR Download. Thank you for watching. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Do it. All right, bye.